welcome to Wobblies and Wizards. I am your host, Loga the Barbarian. And my guests with me today are Tim Cass and Jared Nielsen. Welcome. Thank you. You have something going on Kickstarter right now. Well, we just kicked off a box set under the uh, Old Guard Games banner for World of Game Design called Curse of the Weaver Queen. It's a greatly expanded version of a, uh, an adventure I wrote for Eldritch Wizardry many years ago and uh, decided to do a better job of it this time. And so uh, Jared took what I had done, I expanded and Jared took it and he fluffed it and, and, and whatever and got new art. And um, it's it fun in the first three hours. And uh, now we're wondering what to do for stretch goals. <laughs> now, I've got a couple quick questions here. I want to ask or maybe explain or ask you've got quite a history in gaming. I've got a lot of books on my shelf that you were probably involved with. Probably. <laughs> and you're, you were one of the early employees of TSR back in the early seventies, correct? The first one. So you were the, the first, you were involved with a lot of the early AD and D books and stuff like that as well. Well, I, I, I edited the, uh, I edited Blackmore and Eldritch Wizardry and Gods, Demigods and Heroes and Swords and Spells, which were the final supplements of OD&D. And then I midwifed with Gary, uh, the first edition, and then Gary and Mike Carr. Yes. And Mike doesn't get enough credit for what he did on first edition. He did an excellent, outstanding job and uh, helped, you know, work out. There's always bugs, especially in role-playing. There's always there's always bugs that nobody sees until the very end. Yeah, they, or, pop, they pop up at inconvenient times when you're playing. <laughs> well, we try not to have those things come up during the middle of the game. That's why we try to be all inclusive. But you can't. Years ago, people asked me why everybody published errata sheets. And we did it at TSR. No sooner than a book or a game had come out and we published an errata sheet, correcting the typos we find. Uh, oops, we left this paragraph out. <laughs> <laughs> and they asked me, you know, why, 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 why? And I said, because fools are too ingenious. You cannot do a set of rules that somebody won't try. Why can't I make my chariot fly? <laughs> well, we never thought of that. So now we're going to, you know, I mean, it's that type of thing. You, you have no concept of which way people are going to go off uh, from a given starting point. Oh, no. And you just try to cover as much as you can and try to be logical and don't worry about the illogical. <laughs> yeah, people, they're going to always throw you a curveball. It always happens in game. I know that. I've been, I don't think I've been playing as long as you. <laughs> Probably not. I started in 74. Yeah, I started in the late 80s. Actually, I started with the, the FOSA Doctor Who role-playing game because I was addicted to Doctor Who on PBS. I've said that a million times in this show. So Doctor Who got me into role-playing games. I didn't play D&D, uh, &D, actually, for quite a few years later. I played a lot of sci-fi stuff. Oh, anyways, that's not about me. I know people I, that haven't played anything except post-apocalyptic. and that's just, fun. They're just happier and fish in the pond, you know, and that's great. Mm-hmm. My whole thing is if you're having a game with some friends and you're having fun, it's all good. You know, people ask me all the time, how do I know if I'm a good DM? Well, if they come back next week or next session, you got it. It is that. 
Yeah, I, it's a pretty good measure. I think I've said before, like the goal of being a successful DM is just having fun with your game group. And that's why we're you doing this. Come back for the next session. Yeah. You can <laughs> have a great time and then nobody comes back the next time. And oh, no. You just sit yeah. there at an empty table rolling dice, you know. <laughs> well, but, yeah. We have we have plenty of return players in our group. We're pretty pretty regularly, so someone did something right. You want to know about the adventure itself? I want to know about two things. I want to know about the adventure, but I also want to know about Old Guard itself because I was reading a little bit about Old Guard. Well, that's Jared's bailiwick. He can tell you much more about Old Guard than I can. So I was I was probably uh, uh, I was DMing when I was nine years old. So I was born in 69. So that probably puts me around in the 70s, probably about when you were being born. So, <clears throat> but my, yeah, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. We're <laughs> long older than I care. <laughs> I, I, I wasn't going to, I wasn't going to call you out, Tim. But, All right. I just, hey, I'm fine with it. I just turned 73 last month. I'm fine with awesome. it. Awesome. You know, <laughs> cancer didn't kill. So it's all, it's all extra time. 70 is the new 60 anyway, right? So uh, tell uh, my body that (laughs) (laughs) I got a couple of knees that argue that point with you. Yeah, I hear you. My my kids, I have a kid who's now 30 years old, which I never thought I'd ever hit. So but but that uh the old guard games is basically our charity wing of world of game design. And I say that in a in a positive way. We're trying to use old guard games to give back to the community and uh, no one's given more to the community than the old guard. And that, that name comes from all the veteran game designers. Uh, and it's kind of a Roman term of the, the older soldiers who protect the King. Right. So I like Napoleon's work. Yeah. I reached out to Tim for the idea and he said, well, I, I need to check with Luke Gygax, make sure we're cool. He checked with Luke and Luke kind of, said, yeah, I have no problem you guys using that name. And so we decided to kind of kick that off. But basically what it is, is we're inviting veteran game designers who've been around for a little bit longer than I have and way longer than you have, Shane. And (laughs) we're trying to modernize uh, the tools that they have to work with and provide them a full development team. So we have a, a, a staff of 20 people now with a full software development studio that writes mobile apps and web games. And we have a manufacturing facility for trade show booths and podcasting equipment. So we can actually create sets because we now own an interest in a company that does trade show booth designs for very large companies. And uh, we're basically taking all of these large scale assets and equipping our old guard with the same tools that, you know, modern game publishers are using. So you know, when Tim started publishing, you know, we used to use whiteout and we'd cut things out with razor blades and we'd photocopy. Oh, yeah. I got you know? the scars. I got the scars and the wax burns. So we've we've come a long way since then, and 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 so now you know we can get into uh, modern publishing tools. So World of Game Design has uh, a new hex mapping tool. So we're taking all of Tim's stories. And we've created a new city called Mont Kellyan. And uh, we've asked Jim Ward and Tim Kask and Merle Rasmussen, who created Top Secret. Jim did Gamma World. Uh, you know, Tim uh, was the original editor of Dragon, has done a million things since then. And, you know, we have even more uh, veteran writers and they're all in this pool. And so every time we do a Kickstarter for Old Guard Games uh, or we publish a book for Old Guard Games, these guys get a cut. 
And so it's our way of just, you know, making sure that they're making money on our efforts and we're saying thank you in, in, in return. So that's old guard games. And Tim, what can you tell us about the adventure? When I first did it, when I first wrote it for Eldridge, I had a fierce, fierce argument with uh, two of the members about the cover art that I had found from a young lady uh, in Sweden, because it was, it was not, there was no visible weapons, you know, or anything. She was, she was sad. She was wistful because it's a story about having something heinous done to you and have through a, a fluke regaining regaining your memories of your former life and realizing how heinous you now are. And when I originally wrote it, there were some books under a bed if they found them and they fooled around with them, they might be able to reverse, you know, and the spells and, you know, and all that kind of stuff. And when I first wrote it, I just threw that under the bed, literally, <laughs> as something for a DM to take and run with it on his own. It's a sad state that we can't write stuff and throw in things for the DM to make his own. Anything you throw in, they want charted, statted out, or why is it there? Yeah. And that's a that's a lessening of the level of role-playing and DM designing. That's a lessening that has occurred over recent years, probably due to some of the later editions, which have sold like hotcakes, but they've dumbed down. I, I want to show you something that we have the books that we produce now. Yeah. They have these any system QR codes in the front cover of the book. Oh, cool. So what Tim's talking about is there's no stats in the whole book. Oh, good. But you can hit the QR code for the system that you like and download the 5e stats or the Pathfinder stats or the, the Savage World stats. So Tim's right. And we're designing these books to where you can use them with any system that you want. But the original published book isn't dumbed down like he's talking about. It's it's all about the story and the setting. Oh, that's cool. I like, no, 100%. Like, that's the kind of stuff we love, especially here. Like, you got a system-neutral book. We don't have the, st the stats in it. We need more of that. Because a lot of us, like our group, isn't playing some of the more newer editions and stuff. You well, know? finding system-neutral stats drove us crazy at Eldritch. We came up with a system, but you had to know how, which ones you divided by five to get a percentile rating. And we did. We came up with a neutral system, but not enough people could figure. <laughs> and I don't mean to sound like a snob, but I'm appalled at how few people couldn't make what was a dirt simple fourth grade arithmetic conversion. They just didn't have the brain muscles exercised to do that. They had to have everything laid out in front of them, no wiggle room. And that's just so antithetical from what I used to do. That I'm, and that's what I struggle with is, oh God, I got to stat out everything. Are you getting it? Yeah, there's too many stats, I think, in a lot of systems. My, for my taste, it, it, it gets to be a lot, <laughs> especially if you're preparing for a game. I like that kind of way where they set it up where I don't have to sit here and worry about the stats as much as a DM. I can pull it out of my butt. <laughs> well, we mistakenly figured that as easy as it was, people would buy the product, go through, make all their conversions before they ran it the first time. Wrong. Well, 
I'm happy to tell that you that. We'll just go with that. <laughs> I'm happy to tell you we have five people dedicated to just writing stats for different systems. So <laughs> Tim does not have to do it. <laughs> I could well, see. I, I did everything I design. I design using uh, OD&D, basically. My game is Frozen in Amber, right between OD&D and First Edition. And everything I write is based on those uh, maxims and those uh, underpinnings. So if I write and say this is designed for 5th through 7th level, I'm referring to old school 5th through 7th level which were bad dudes. I mean, yeah. they were tough. It took a lot longer to make it usually, at least with a lot of the games that we play. We, we play a lot of those old AD&D era stuff. Oh, yeah, it took forever to make a level. And then as it should. Yeah, as I like that. <laughs> like most of the games I run, you're not shooting up in levels real quick. And like we've been, well, I'd say we went fairly quick with our game. We've been playing not, a little over two years, and I at, at the current campaign we're playing, which is Astonishing Stories and the Sources of Hyperborea, which system wise is very much kind of structured on the AD and D. And I oh, think yeah. we're at, I think we're at fourth and fifth level, depending on who it is. That's Jeff Talanian's book, right? Uh, I believe that's his. I I can have yeah. to double check the name. We've been playing for a couple. It's a really great game. I it love is. it. It's a good system. I know Jeff. He's good people. He's a good designer, and. Um, in fact, he's part of the independent publishers union now that are one of my, my own, at the current time, my only sponsor <laughs> on my videos. And uh, yeah, Jeff's, that's a good system. And um, he's written it so you don't have to play in Conan's world. Yeah, you can do a lot with it. That'd be boring as hell. What I love about it is that I can still use all my old AD and D stuff, like my monster manuals and everything, are still good and still in play. And I don't have to buy a whole new set of things to run it. <laughs> yeah, well, I agree. That's that. That's a big thing, and that's why I continue to write for that time slice uh, of of uh, rules development and that right in, right in there between. And um, that's how I design. If I create a new monster, I'm using techniques that we developed back, you know, back in the day. Uh, my t my techniques for, you know, how tough to make a uh, to make a, an encounter and, and all that. That's all that's all ingrained from, you know, from the very beginning when I was we didn't have any modules and I was <laughs> a campaign in 1974. And calling Gary every three or four weeks and going, what do I do next? What do I do next? I, I'd love, <laughs> and, I'd uh, love, I'd love any secrets or insights onto some of those techniques if you have those. <laughs> well, uh, it's just the way you, the way you do things. I'm real loosey goosey as a DM. I don't like a lot of unnecessary dice rolling. I don't like the players sitting around the table looking like frogs on a log, not asking questions because. I believe the primary tool for any role player is gathering information. You got to ask. I don't like the fact that because I've had three, three point five players in a campaign years several years ago when I was playtesting. This is one of them, as a matter of fact. They just sat there the whole night, waiting, I guess, for their skills or their abilities or whatever to magically tell them something. Oh yeah. And I don't generally play like that. Though I do give clues when we're not playing with super specialized, like, oh, yeah, man, your spidey sense is going off all over every time you look at this thing. <laughs> yeah. 
Okay. That that's that's not going too far outside the shell or whatever. And um, I'm not waiting for somebody to say, well, do I perceive a magic dreamer? No. Go over and look at it. Tell me, you know, tell me how it feels. Does it make the hair on your neck stand up? Oh, okay. But you got to ask questions. Don't expect me to tell you that the floor is sloping or that there's a secret passage. That the, if you push that brick right behind my head, it'll open up a secret door. <laughs> yeah. No, you got to go around and tap, tap, tap. <laughs> tell me you're checking the walls. Okay. That's the way we used to play. Tell me you're checking the walls. Yeah, I like that. That's one thing that I, I really get into is a more descriptive style of play where we're telling and we're not like looking at the sheet to find something to roll a die on. Like they say, role play R-O-L-E versus role play R-O-L-L. Yeah, I don't like that latter one. One thing that definitely changed, I noticed with some newer editions is people started looking at the sheet. It's like, okay, the GM will say something and they look at the sheet. It's like, okay, what can I do? And they look at the sheet for an answer. I, 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 I much prefer, and, I get, and, and that works for some folks and some folks enjoy that game, but the game I enjoy, I don't like rolling dice as much. I like, I like it when I party, when I'm rolling, running a game, when they start talking and scheming and coming up with ideas. Oh. That's and great. it's not, it's not like, okay, what can, it's like, no, don't look at your sheet. Don't look at your sheet. I want you to keep on what's going on between you right now. That's yeah, the well, you can smell those dusty brain cells burning. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you got them, you know, because now they're, oh my God, they're thinking. <laughs> and I try, I try to write the adventures I write are for thinking about every monster I put in, in a, in a, in a, a situation has an Achilles heel. Everyone can be defeated. The very first monster I created, the boulet. If you can poke it underneath that little flap it raises on its back, that's got like no armor at all. And okay, but getting up there <laughs> with the boulet <laughs> pissed at you, it's gonna be problematic. Everything, everything I write, um, and I don't make up a lot of monsters when there's so many things in nature that can eat you or kill you if you just make them a little bigger. <laughs> I want to point out that we've got a belay uh, stretch goal coming up in about another thousand dollars. That uh, I bet you, if you begged him at uh, GaryCon, he'd probably sign it for you. That would be well, great. That, 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 that's dependent upon me having a sack full of them to hand out. We'll make sure you're armed and dangerous, but okay. we've instructed everybody to walk up to Tim and pronounce it bullet and see what he does. So. Oh man, my, uh, my knuckles are going to be sore. <laughs> from punching people oh no either that or i'm gonna have a hip that's really sore from kicking people <laughs> you know this this then we'll teach you how to pronounce it i promise you're gonna get arrested <laughs> at gary con this, this is this 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 touches on a point that i'm going to talk about this week coming up on my video people want real world stuff when it's all fantasy it's boule because I said that's the way it's pronounced. Why do you have to argue with me? <laughs> it's not French. It's not English. ETT means something. Bullshit. It's a boule. I invented it. <laughs> I get to name it. Well, I'm, I'm going to address a couple of things about people want, you know, oh, if you want to be proficient in weapons, you have to constantly train and bullshit. It's fantasy. <laughs> you know, it's fantasy. Fantasy slices off all that boring crap from real life 
and you just do the good bits. That's why I like playing this game. <laughs> you know, I mean, good Lord, quit looking for logic in a fantasy game. We got elves and dwarves, for Christ's sakes. Yeah, that's, that's what I said. We got boulets. Those of you who don't know what a boulet is, that's what it is. Yes. It's a, oh, we, it's they can't mean. see because this is we're just a podcast. We don't do video. Oh, I was I, <laughs> I was asked a couple of weeks ago on another uh, podcast, what, what was the plural for boulet? And I had no idea. And I said, oh, a dread of boulet. A dread of boulet. Because like it, 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 it specifically says that they're solitary creatures unless a family unit. So you don't want to come across more than one of them. That ought to be a dread on the back of your mind. <laughs> Every day you live in a place that has them, especially if you're out traveling. The dread of boulet. How, so how many is a family? They just have one kid at a time? How many children they have? No, they, they lay eggs, I think. I haven't actually pinned it down, but I, it's probably somewhere between three and six. But there's probably a mortality rate of about 30 percent. Is there a nest? That's called a bullomlet. A bullomlet? <laughs> That's the 30 percent mortality rate. The party had their big old omelet. <laughs> yeah, right. The offspring, the offspring have about a 30 percent mortality rate. So that way we don't get overrun by boulets. Yeah, that might be a problem. <laughs> so. Back, uh, let me go back to the, the, the curse of the Weaver Queen. Yes, I'm not sure if I ever got a full like what's the, the full plot or whatever we're looking well, at. Well, the what's plot the, is to get in that there's this temple, and the temple has many things you might like to have for your own. <laughs> I, I can't give away any, any, <laughs> any spoilers here. It, it's probably got a lot of things that you'd like to own, and it's probably got some pretty fearsome. Things that would rather you didn't own it. <laughs> and there's a possibility that you may be able to undo a long ago wrong, a horrible wrong. There's a possibility of um, you're in a temple that has means of transporting to other temples. If you figure out how it works, there's five or six, I can't remember exactly, and I didn't see the final edit. There's a bunch of other places to go adventure. As I wrote it, one of them's in the field of lava, another one's underwater, but there are breathing devices. Uh, there's one up in the air, but there are there's something you can put on to keep you from tipping up and losing everything out of your pockets. And some of them I just, just hit it at because it wasn't uh, what you know it was out of order, so to speak. So there's there's all those possibilities. I think a good adventure ought to have lots of little subplots and sub things you should be able to do or not. Not that you have to. I hate being railroaded. I, I say it sounds like it's what they call like what the term is a sandbox a lot of times where you've got all these options. There's all this for you to explore and do. You've got to find your adventure. There's still an ultimate goal, but there's so many things to do along the way. If there was only one goal, it'd be a railroad. Yeah. Chug, 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 do this, do that. <laughs> when I first saw Watsy putting out stuff that said, you can't kill this guy now. Oh, no. Like in book one of the three-part thing, you can't kill him because you're going to need him later. Well, why is he there? <laughs> is, he, is, he in, you know, is he Zeus in magic armor? We can't kill him? Stuff happens in real life and in fantasy even more. And this guy can't be killed. Oh, come on. No, that's a railroad. 
got to have him for later. Uh, I learned a long time ago, my players, if you put it there, they will kill it. <laughs> they, well, yeah, there's no one that is that savable. I think that's fun when they kill somebody that actually had some viable information for them. Yeah, like I, I definitely learned long ago. It's like, oh no, but I have to, well, especially when I was younger, this guy's got to stay to the end because he's a big bad guy. People going after him. You can't hold on to that. You got to let go. If these players are going to do what they're going to do. They're going to, they're exploring the world. Well, if they play with me regularly and they do that silly, stupid thing a couple of times, they're going to suffer so badly that they either won't come back and play with me anymore or they're going to modify their behavior. And I believe find that they can have more fun modifying their behavior. Mm -hmm. You don't run in with knives out like Gru the Barbarian. <laughs> you can't do that. I like thinking adventures. The, the, the thing I run uh, at games and I'm doing it, I'm doing it in Okinawa a second time next month, um, is all about thinking your way around puzzles as much as it is killing stuff. And I find that much more entertaining. And I find that the the mental gyrations of the players much more entertaining than killing shit. <laughs> I love watching their faces contort. Well, one of the things that I've always said, and I say often on this show, is that I like a deadly game not because I want to kill the players, but because I want them to think twice before killing something or attacking something and be afraid of it. And I'm a little more entertained when they come up with a creative way around it. I love it when they can outthink me. I, I'll give you a real quick example doing a wheel of blame and they were they were surrounded by an enormous thorn hedge that was just and anyway they, they couldn't figure couldn't hack through whatever one of them says out of the blue i strip off all my clothes and have them cover me with that nectar that those giant butterflies are collecting and so well what the hell it's old school right you roll a 20 got a 17 oh what do you know they came down about six of them hooked onto him Carried him over the hedge. <laughs> That's creative thinking. Yeah. Good dice rolling, and granted. But I love it when they come up with something like that. Oh, that's my favorite time with game. I love it. I like it when they come up, when they, they throw me for a loop. They do something I'm not expecting. And, and I have to, okay, now what do I do? <laughs> that's what it makes it interesting for me as a game master. And if you ever have Mike Curtis on, ask him about killing polar bears barehanded as a dwarf. I'm going to have to take notes of that. Yeah, he killed two giant, he oversized giant polar bears as a dwarf, barehanded. Barehanded. Yeah. Improbable die rolls, which is which, which I love. Improbable die rolls, two of them. <laughs> okay, you did it. Hey, it's fantasy. Though we did tease him, 12 foot polar bear, and he grabbed them. They were standing up, and he grabbed them, and we asked him where his face was. Think about that for a minute. <laughs> so where was uh, yeah so yeah. anyways yeah <laughs> hey, <jump> in. <laughs> we're coming close to time could y'all tell us where we can find the curse of the weaver queen and find y'all online as well so I'll, I'll direct you to kickstarter and you just search for curse of the weaver queen or you can search for tim cask and he shows up right away um that's the easiest way if you go onto our website, wogd.com, which is World of Game Design, um, you can also get a link to that. But we really encourage that you sign up for our weekly newsletter because uh, our weekly newsletter has a new monster every week, uh, new items. It's got you know stuff for game masters in it every week. 
and it uh, will let you know what the status is of all their Kickstarters. I am not editing it. I have nothing <laughs> to do with this. Yay! Not that we haven't in, offered. I've been involved in more failed magazines than anybody in the industry. <laughs> you've been involved in one magazine I've got boxes and boxes of. And I think you maybe you've been involved with a few others. I just started Dragon. I can't I can't take any credit for about the first three dozen issues, but yeah, adventure gaming and it went down and it was guy gags magazine and it went down <laughs> well were you involved with the 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 one the one the troll lord did that magazine because the crusader? crusader yeah i wrote it after gary died they asked me to uh, take over the column spot and i wrote oh half a dozen columns i think and um they i was cool with them finding somebody else to do it and you know it was great and i just did it kind of as a favor I don't recall being paid for it. I just, <laughs> oh, no. I just did it for Steve uh, and his brother Davis. Those are some good magazines. I like this. <laughs> Let me hit you up with some credits. He's credited in AD&D 1E Monster Manual, the Player's Handbook, and the Dungeon Master's Guide, the AD&D 2E Player's Handbook, the Dungeon Master's Guide, and the Magic Encyclopedia. He was the editor of Strategic Review for the second half of its publishing term. Dragon Magazine, 1 through 36. Little Wars, 1 through 12. Adventure Gaming, 1 through 13. So he's been around lots of blocks. And then there was that. There was a good old Gygax Magazine until the widow killed it. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. My favorite. I, yeah. I, 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 th those were up there at Gateway Games, and I was looking at them to buy them forever. I was like, no, I'll, I'll get them next time. I never got them, and now I see them selling for like ridiculous prices. Oh, I'm kicking myself. Which ones are you missing? Missing? I have all of them. Oh well, <laughs> I have a number one that's signed by the entire staff. Oh wow, that's Ex an awesome. extra one, an extra one. And I think I have uh, two through five, but I don't have a six. That's awesome. Yeah, I have none of them. I didn't pick any of them up there. And I have my own set, of course. <laughs> we'll have to but talk to afterwards. <laughs> they, they sat around in the garage for a long time. I still got a whole box of number twos. Oh, really? Yeah, that was the one that butchered my article. Oh, no. <laughs> yeah, I quit. And then I, they, they got me back about a week later. <laughs> well, uh, I'm yeah. thankful that you got more out there after that. You have a you have a YouTube channel as well, correct, Tim? Curmudgeon in the cellar. <laughs> I've watched. I've definitely watched a few episodes. I've done two hundred and seven numbered ones, about twenty before I started numbering them, and then a whole bunch of other crap. So I have a channel. I I wrote I read stories to little kids during the pan the lockdown. Um, I did a lot of, yeah, there's a lot of me bloviating on uh, YouTube. Well, I want you to know we've got deluxe pledges. We have four deluxe pledges left on the Kickstarter. So if you want to sign. What is that? Is that one of the premiums? Yeah. What is in the. We, we set aside 88 that are signed and numbered. It's got a full box set. It's got six more dice in it and the digital VTT assets. And I also sent you an email with the, the new, we have a new Spider Queen 3D model that's almost done. Oh, I haven't seen uh, that, but I saw there was like... an illustration. And then we've got um, a really cool set of uh, spider dice. So have you found the name for them yet? <laughs> no, I'm going to look it up. Tim was telling me to go research all the Greek and Latin etymology derivatives to find out what we actually would call this. Because but you know, it's, you it's a die I don't think it's been made. You got a cube and you got a you got a triangle, you got a dodecahedron, icosahedron. What's what do you call a double eight side two a dice that has 
two sides with eight faces on each. But, but we found the name, Kim. Oh, no, what we is found it? the name. It's the Cascahedron. No. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, no. Call it the Cascoidhedron. It was small. Oh, there you go. With small the, Cascoidellian. <laughs> we'll come up with something. Whatever. But yeah, it's it's numbered one through eight on two separate sides. It's kind of like a D10 has five sides on each side. This has eight on each side. And it's numbered one through eight. And it's got spider legs crawling up the sides. And it's got this real creepy font and webbing on it. So it's going to be a really cool custom die. That yeah, one of his here. companies is, uh, uh, what's your dice? Dice Fanatics. Dice Fanatics. Dice Fanatics. Yeah. And they make some they make some pretty cool dice. And they also make a T-square. So that die that that guy keeps rolling that you think is kind of fun. Yeah. Put the T-square to it and see if it's a good die or it got one of the weird ones that always rolls a certain number. <laughs> we we well, took yeah. it. It's, it's a little uh, it's a little uh, 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 ruler and uh, the, the tagline was size matters. But uh, this is the uh, this is the gemstone dice. Oh, those are those are nice. Those are made out like actual. Gem- I don't have anything like that. I'm all mine are plastic stuff. <laughs> well, those are, too. These are these are stone. These are oh, we are. Oh, you're doing stone now. Okay, I was unaware of that. Somebody forgot to tell me. We've got some really cool stuff, and we'll be at GaryCon in force. We've got 13 game masters uh, at GaryCon that are all funded by World of Game Design. So you need to come up there and play games with us. Well, I want to thank y'all for coming on. That's about all we got time for today. If you've enjoyed what you've heard here today, please give us a positive review wherever you're listening. And those of you that have been giving us positive reviews, thank you. You can find us on Facebook. Just search Wobblies and Wizards. Wobbliesandwizards.com is our blog. I'm on Twitter at Logar Hale Crom. We just started a Patreon. Now, patreon.com backslash Wobblies and Wizards. And as always, keep those dice rolling.